Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the American Tennis Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network. I'm your host, Justin Thompson. Very happy to be here with you today. Friend of the program, Alec Dardis, is joining us today to break down week one of Wimbledon. And before we can get into anything else, we have to start by talking about Coco Goff. Now, most of you have probably heard about her by now. We talked about her on the last podcast. She came through the qualifying rounds, the youngest player ever to qualify for Wimbledon going through the qualifying matches. She beat Venus Williams in the main draw. People started taking note then. After this last match, she is pretty much a household name by this point. It's incredible. Her last match, she was down a set and 5-2 and came back saving two match points to win in three sets. An incredible match from the young 15-year-old player from Florida. And I can't even express how much of an impact this has had on the sport of tennis so far, especially on the American side. We have young American men on the tour doing very well right now, but not really any stories that are captivating a regular audience that doesn't follow tennis on the day-to-day. I cannot tell you how many people I had texting me on Friday. Friends that I lived with back in college who would watch tennis occasionally because they thought it was funny watching Sharapova, and yeah, we'll give them that. But he was texting me saying, who is this Coco Goff girl? This is incredible. What, what is going on? Friends that have given me a hard time, like, oh, we like basketball. Tennis isn't fun. And all of a sudden are captivated by the story of Coco Goff. I think it's an incredible story. Alec, what do you make of her game? I mean, it's it's a great story. Coco Goff, I mean, she's, like you said, the youngest, uh, I think, man or woman to ever qualify for Wimbledon. So that's that's a massive achievement. Not only did she qualify, but she beat uh, one of arguably the best uh, women American tennis players in the game, Venus Williams, first round. And, you know, I watched a few of her matches. I actually watched that match where she came back um, in the second set. And, you know, what surprises me about her is just her mental game. Her mental game seems really strong when she goes out on the court. She's pretty unfazed. She has that feeling where she feels like she should be out there and she belongs there. And I don't sense any doubt coming from her. And I think that only complements her pretty game, which obviously is hitting big shots when she can, moving in when possible. She has a, a very high-quality serve. She's definitely going to be one to look at for the future, and you know, I'm excited uh, to see her progress in Wimbledon. Yeah, and 15 years old. I mean, can you believe that? Now she takes on Hallett, but I agree. I think the grass is a really kind surface for her game. Grass, there's a lot of slices. The ball doesn't sit up as much, and it was interesting watching her try to close out that match. You could see how nervous she was, and of course, uh, you're 15 years old yeah. on the biggest stage on center court. Of course, you're going to be a little nervous, yeah. um, but it was funny watching that point when her opponent was serving. She runs around it for the forehand, and here I am. I'm like, okay, she's going to crack this down the line, right. and she just throws in that little slice. Yeah, no, she's nifty. <laughs> she is nifty, and on hard court, you know, you never do that. The ball sits up. Your Correct. opponent probably hits a winner. On grass, it stays down. The opponent can barely get to it and misses it. So I think the grass really is favorable for her as a young mm-hmm. player, able to just slice and get into the points. Those last couple games before she closed it out, so many backhand slices there. Mm-hmm. Obviously a lot harder to slice than to take, or a lot easier. And when you're nervous, easier to slice than to take those full strokes right. when the arms can get heavy and you're tight closing out the match. So I thought that was awesome stuff from Coco. Definitely wanted to dedicate the first podcast to her because great story for American tennis and we love to see it. And our men did pretty well, too. We still have two players in the round of 16 on the men's side. Query pulled the huge upset over team. What did you see from the American men in this tournament, Alec? Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of American men in the tournament versus French Open uh, to start with. And uh, there were some big wins. I mean, Riley Opelka beat Walrinka, who Walrinka used to be a top five player. 
He's uh, obviously a high-quality player with a big game, and Opelka took him to the fifth set, winning 8-6, which at Wimbledon, which is unique from other tournaments, is when you get into the fifth set, you don't play a tiebreak at 6-all. Instead, you have to win by two games. And that's where um, John Isner's, one of his famous marathon matches, he like won in the fifth set, like 72 to 70, something, something like that. But... He, uh, but it's crazy when you're in the fifth set, you literally have to win by two games. So uh, good job for Opelka for you know limiting that to only eight six. That's great. And Fritz beat Burdich, which was also another massive win. Burdich used to also be a top five player. That's a big win for Fritz. He's coming off of that um, big tournament win um, leading up into Wimbledon, and I think. Obviously, uh, he was feeling confident and looking good out there. I was a little depressing and do as well um, after, but, you know, all streaks have to come to an end eventually. But, yeah, the Americans did great. I know Tiafo had a really tough match with Fognini, um, but he pushed him. He looks good out there. I think Fognini just came up as the better player out there. But, yeah, it was it was great to see. I know uh, Query plays uh, Tennis Sandgren now in the fourth round, I believe. So that'll be a match to watch, and it's nice to know that one American will be getting into the quarters on the men's side and hopefully further. So, yeah, there are a lot of uh, a lot of good things from the Americans, and uh, Wimbledon's been kind of crazy. There are a lot of big upsets. Um, Monfils lost first round. Stefanos Tsitsipas lost first round as well. Same with Dominic Team and uh, Zverev, which are all big names, and they all lost first round. And I think that's what makes Wimbledon fun every year to watch is that grass is such a unique surface, and... Really, anyone can come to play, and it really takes a different game. Um, a lot of lot, lot what you were saying earlier, a lot of slicing, a lot of volleying, a lot of serving, and uh, you know they. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to tell who can do well uh, with what with what type of game you have. Oh, it's so fun, man. I agree. Wimbledon is just you can't beat it. It's so classic, so fun to watch, and just such an iconic event around the world. It's amazing. I do want to take a second to give a quick shout out, Tennis Sangren. I know we talked about him. He's in the round of sixteen. Took out Simone, 8-6 in the fifth, like you were talking about. They'll play until someone wins by two. Upset the number 20 seed. Huge breakout tournament for Sangren. Now playing Query, a chance to advance into the quarterfinals. Good news is we're going to have one American man in the quarterfinals. Yes. Bad news is one of them has to lose. Unfortunate. Yes. I do want to take a second. John Isner, um, you know, we were a little uncertain about the foot coming into the tournament. He won his first round over Rudd, a good player, 7-6 in the third. And then yep. a loss that you would think, you know, really he lost to Kukushkin as the number nine seed, 6-4 in the fifth set. But we, from what we understand, the foot was bothering him a little bit and it might mm-hmm. not be fully healed. So that does come into play. So give him a lot of credit for getting out there, gritting it out and giving it his all, representing the American well, Americans well. And honestly, I, I have nothing but good things to say. I know I'm oftentimes hard on the Americans because I feel that we underachieve and don't do as well as we can for the talent we have. But so far after week one, this tournament has been great. I can't wait to see how Coco... Query, Sangren, all those guys, girls we still have in the tournament, how they do in the next week. We'll break that down for you on the next podcast. Um, but we have to talk about the Nick Kyrgios, Rafael Nadal <laughs> match. I mean, we can't not That was talk a great match that. and very contentious. Very contentious, <laughs> to say the least. So take us through the history between Nadal and Kyrgios a little bit and what happened out there this time. Yeah, so I think two main points to think about um, between their rivalry is... Nick Kyrgios beat Rafa a few years ago at Wimbledon. He shocked everyone. That was a massive win. This one, Nick was a bit younger and wasn't having as much fame as he does now. And then this year in Acapulco, Mexico, they played, and Nadal was, I believe it was in the third set, and Nadal was up 6-3 in the tiebreak. He missed a shot, close shot. Kyrgios came back, 6-all. I think Rafa double-faulted, and then Kyrgios won the title. And... Um, 
that was a crazy match. A lot of bad blood there. Kyrgios kind of over-celebrated in that match. Nadal wasn't too happy at the handshake at the end, <laughs> barely giving him a little pat on the back. But so there's always been a bit of tension between the two. Obviously, they're two very different types of players. Nadal's you know, much more conservative. He just goes out there, plays the game. He's very respectful. He has all the all the ingredients you need to be a top pro and to look the top pro. Nick Kyrgios, on the other hand, I think he's way more exciting to watch. I always love watching Nick Kyrgios. He kind of has that feature about him that makes everyone around him, even non-tennis fans, force you to watch him because he'll come up with crazy shots. He's also been kind of under scrutiny for doing underhand serves, which we can talk about that at another time, uh, whether or not that's good or not. But you know he'll he'll do a lot of uh, between the leg shots as well, but he's really exciting to watch. But that was a really big match. It was in the second round, and Kyrgios was looking good out there. I mean, he got Nadal to two tie breaks. He lost both those tie breaks. I only caught the last half of the match, so I didn't get to watch the first half. But I was watching the fourth set tie break, and you know what I think happened. Kyrgios was having momentum into that set, and then Kyrgios on the first point of the tie break kind of missed this easy volley slash overhead and he knew and everyone else knew that he shouldn't have missed that especially in the tie break and he kind of just you know snowballed down this hill and lost the tie break and you know from my own experience and I think you'll be able to agree as well it's tough when you miss an easy shot in a pressure situation it'll definitely you know get you try not to let it get to your mind but sometimes it's hard it's just you know such an easy shot and I could only imagine that what was going through his head but um yeah, it was a great, great match to watch, and Nadal was definitely fired up about beating Kyrgios, you could tell, in his celebration after. It was almost like he won Wimbledon, but it was a great match to watch. It's just like, it's such a fun storyline to met. I mean, we have to talk about it on the podcast just because, you know, they're taking shots at each other through the media, and it really, I mean, we don't have, a lot of my friends will text me and say they can't really get into tennis anymore. They're just like, you know, it used to be more entertaining. You had the bad boys, you had Johnny Mac, right. guys that made it fun to watch. And they think now, oh, it's, you know, it is a gentleman's game. Mm-hmm. We know that, obviously. But to the average viewer, they want, you know, they want some drama like exactly. all the other sports provide. So I, I think it's a great storyline. I think that's one of the reasons why I like Kyrgios for the game. Not only is he so talented, but he does just provide that X factor and that flair. And it yeah. doesn't surprise me at all that after that missed volley, it just went downhill from there. It's hard for anybody, but Kyrgios is not exactly <laughs> for his mental resilience. No, he's not. Not at all. <laughs> So let's take a look now at the mixed doubles I actually find very interesting, Mm -hmm. um, primarily because Coco Goff's uh, male partner, so mixed doubles is a guy and a girl playing together against another guy and a girl, for those of you who might not know. Um, And Coco Goff, that young American who's been doing so well, taking it by storm, so her partner actually left the partner that he was supposed to play with because he had the opportunity to play with Coco. He was an old friend of hers, so that drew a little bit of criticism, had had the... uh, had that guy's initial partner a little upset because she couldn't find a replacement in time. So, and the mixed doubles have actually been getting some storylines this tournament. And the most notable one to me is Coco Goff and her partner lost first round, I should say, unfortunately. But she was so tuckered out from that match on mm-hmm. Thursday, then she had to play the mixed doubles. That's Friday. brutal. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. I mean, she she's looking ahead to the singles as she should. But Francis Tiafo and Venus Williams into the second round of mixed doubles. They play tomorrow at nine thirty against the twelve seeds. Interesting pairing. What do you make of that? I love that matchup. I mean, it's also interesting. It's kind of like a young blood and, you know, old veteran playing with each other and both representing America. What couldn't you love? I hope they do well. I mean, they both have the ingredients to do well, obviously. And uh, I think Tiafo is actually a great doubles player. And Venus as well. She's played with Serena many times. They've won titles. So I hope they do well. But yeah, I I thought that was a great matchup as well when I saw them in the draw. 
Well, yeah, well said. So I, I, before we end the podcast for today, we're not going to make it too long because it's just the week one recap on the bigger, you know, once the tournament's over, we'll go over all the storylines in more depth, but we still have to see how things shake out and we'll, we'll cover all of that later. But I do want to talk just briefly again about Coco Goff. I know we talked about it, but mm-hmm. I just think that it is so huge for the sport. You are somebody who appreciates other sports. You like basketball, you like the other sports, and you like seeing Kyrgios interact with the other basketball athletes. I mean, I remember Twitter was on fire when Coco won that match, yep. or in that third-round match. I mean, Joel Embiid and all-star NBA players tweeting, wow, this was as yeah. exciting as Game 7. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about just how big it is to get tennis appreciated and incorporated with the other major sports that are covered here in America. Exactly, you're exactly right. And, I mean, that's why I've always loved Kyrgios. I know I've talked a little bit on um, some earlier podcasts, but... Curious does such a great job of bridging those two worlds of entertainment and tennis. Like we said earlier, tennis is usually a closed-off sport, a little bit more of a gentleman's sport. There's not too much controversy or any flair associated with it. But Curious does a great job of he's very active on social media. He's constantly networking with NBA players, NFL, talking to them. He's repping jerseys when he practices. I think he's going to be a great guy to bridge that gap. And Coco now, being as young as she is, doing as well as she is at Wimbledon, you can already see, like you said, a lot of people are posting about her and super excited about her. And I think we need more players like this and more stories like this where they can help bring tennis to a bigger stage because it's important. And if we want to grow tennis, we need to make sure that we get more fans that aren't only tennis Associated, They're not only specifically associated with tennis, but we need fans who are walking by a tennis tournament and they know, oh, Nick Kyrgios is playing. Oh, Coco Goff is playing. That's that girl I heard about. I just want to go watch just to see what all the craze is, is about. And that's what we need because as of now, you know, your average Joe walking by a tennis tournament isn't going to be too interested or motivated to go check it out. But if we bring in more names and more stories like Kyrgios and Goff, I think we have a really good chance of elevating tennis to the place where it should be. I totally agree with you, man. It felt so good just having my friends text me and tell me that stuff that I know they don't like tennis. I know they don't usually watch it, but just to hear them saying how this match was just so, you know, captivating that even they had to get into it. I just, I thought that was so awesome. Um, we should mention Serena Williams is still in the tournament. I feel like Coco Goff is kind of just taking all the glory of this tournament, (laughs) right? Stolen all the thunder on the men's side for the Americans, but we still do have American women in the draw as well. So did want to give them a quick shout out. Serena, obviously still killing it at her age, how long she's been around the sport after everything she's gone through, having the baby incredible. She'll take on Suarez Navarro in the round of 16 tomorrow, bright and early 5am our time. If you're a Serena fan, make sure you watch that one. And then Risqué is going to take on Ash Barty um, as well. So there are still other American women other than Coco, but we do have to give Coco the shine for now because it's just such a great story. (laughs) We have to. And then the Bryan brothers are still in the doubles. They are the number seven seeds. Um, We we saw at the last major, they didn't really do as well as we were hoping. Correct. But, you know, I think grass suits their game better. Uh, For any doubles is a lot quicker than singles. And it's obviously a lot more focused on volleying and serves and grass favors that surface definitely so i would like to see them you know win another title why not i know they can do it i yeah i agree with you completely and yeah what better place to do it than on wimbledon 
Um, so before we end this, just I want to hear, obviously, aside on the men's side, aside from Sam Query and Tennis Sandgren, obviously all the Americans are going to want to watch that round of 16 matchup. Any other matches that call out to you there? Fernando Verdasco is an interesting name on grass to be into the round of 16. Yeah, I mean, Verdasco's been playing really well, especially for his age, and he wasn't seated either, which is great to see him in the round of 16. I think... Um, Humbert and Djokovic will actually be a good match. Humbert beat his countryman, Monfils, in the first round, and he looks like he's playing really well. And I also think uh, Bautista Agut and Pear will be a great match. They're kind of similarly ranked, and they don't have similar game styles, which I think will make it interesting on grass, and I'm excited to see how their games are adjusted. But, yeah, there's some good matches coming up, and I'm excited for what the quarterfinals, semis, and finals will bring because I really don't know. Oh man, yeah, I'd love to see Verdasco do well. I know, so we were both um, members of the same club growing up playing tennis at the same place in Orange County. And I remember uh, one of my favorite Verdasco, well, my only Verdasco, sorry. <laughs> um, he was there actually playing some, there was some futures player at the time who needed that. someone, he needed somebody to hit with because he had a tournament. And so they called up, you know, the club's best player to try to give Verdasco a hit. And he held his eye, I mean, he hit with him, you know. <laughs> he made uh, a few balls. <laughs> but I remember Verdasco being there and just being so captivated as this young 15, 16-year-old, whatever I was at the time, seeing him just roll up with all that confidence. And <laughs> such a nice guy, signed a ball for me. I yeah. still have that ball somewhere upstairs. But yeah, I mean, obviously he's known more as a clay court player being from Spain, but so cool to see him at this age, this stage in his career, be into the round of 16. So best of luck to him. And a quick shout out before we get on out of here to Steve Johnson. He had a great tournament. I know some of my guests have been harder on him in the last few podcasts because they feel that he could be doing better than he is. Also an Orange County up and comer who, you know, a lot of us know on some level um, having gone to Orange High and then playing at USC. Mm-hmm. So really great to see him have a good Wimbledon, make it into the third round and then play Nishikori tough. So love to see that from him. And honestly, overall, I'm just I'm so happy about how the Americans perform this tournament. I'm so excited to see how it all shakes out. Bring it all for you guys next week. Alec, thanks so much for stopping by today, breaking it all down with me. Anytime. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the American Tennis Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network. Enjoy the rest of the week of Wimbledon, guys. It's going to be some great tennis. Enjoy it. We will break it all down for you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.